boxing aims to please the IOC. I'm Ed Hula with the latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. Today we take a look at what's happening with AIBA, the International Amateur Boxing Federation, now under notice by the IOC to address a number of concerns or face possible expulsion from the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Tom Virgitz is the new executive director for the Federation. Soon he will be handling the day-to-day operations of AIBA, moving from the United States to Lausanne, Switzerland. Virgitz is retiring this week from his work as an athletics director at the U.S. Naval Academy. His background in boxing covers decades, including training for a number of professional boxers, including the late Tommy Morrison, two times world heavyweight champion, and now, uh, more recently, has done some training, some coaching for Tommy Morrison's son, I believe. Virgis was named AIBA Executive Director in January at an extraordinary assembly of the Federation. Thanks for joining us today, Tom Virgis. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Ed. Glad to be here. Uh, first of all, the IOC has provided a, a list of issues that they would like to see addressed by the Federation. They've given you a deadline at the end of April. The biggest issue is seems to be the rise of Gafur Rachimov as interim president of the Federation. He was named to a list at the end of the year by the U.S. Treasury Department as someone who should not be admitted to the U.S. because of concerns over alleged organized crime connections in Russia. AIBA's statutes call for the most senior vice president to take over as interim president should a vacancy occur, and that's the uh, position that Gafur Rachimov held. On one hand, AIBA is following its rules. On the other hand, the IOC is uh, objecting to the result. What can be done about this? Well, the perspective of AIBA is quite simple, and that is show us the evidence that Gulfor Rakimov is a criminal. If he is a criminal, then prosecute him. But what we've seen, we've seen numerous articles, a lot of uh, uh, speculation, and yet no one has come forward with any proof that says, other than the fact that he has business associations with individuals of interest, no one has charged him with any crime. He has never uh, served a day of time in jail, and he has no criminal record. But show, show the proof. If the proof is there, prosecute. If there isn't proof, then let's say that he is innocent until proven guilty. And as far as his work for Aiba goes, his interest in boxing, is there any question on the part of you and your colleagues? I have known Gulfur Rakamov since 2006. I'm not a you know close acquaintance of his, but I have seen him at the executive committee level. I have seen him on a number of occasions step forward and bail the organization out through business contacts that he led our organization to, to be able to get sponsorship and dollars for the organization. I have never seen Gofor Rakimov do anything that was not in the best interest of AIBA in the sport of boxing. And the finances of AIBA, particularly under the administration of former President C.K. Wu, have uh, been difficult, uh, perhaps pushing AIBA to the brink of bankruptcy. Is this still the case? Is finance still a, a big issue for the Federation? 
Finances are definitely a major issue of the organization, but this is one of the reasons why I'm very pleased that Gulfor Rakimov is the interim president, and that is he's one of the few individuals in our organization who have the business contacts and the business accoutrement to be able to help this organization get out of its present financial difficulties. He has already made some great strides towards getting very favorable terms for a $10 million loan that we have with a organization called Bacon's. And this in and of itself was the number one problem that IBA had with regard to its financial accountability. Uh, we absolutely had to find a solution to that loan in order to continue. And the president was able to deliver that, that solution. And until the IOC has more confidence in IEBA, they've su suspended payments that are due from Rio de Janeiro. I is this having an effect on IEBA finances? Uh, a small effect. The, the amount of money is minimal. Uh, it's not going to make the difference. Uh, what does make the difference is as long as the IOC doesn't have uh, confidence in IBA, then it is going to be very difficult for IBA to deliver sponsorship. It's going to be very difficult for us to negotiate with other organizations, other groups, to be able to do some of the things that IBA needs to do in order to move the sport forward. That's why it is essential that we meet the mandates of the IOC and that we, uh, as quickly as possible, get ourselves back in good favor and regain the confidence of that organization. IABA is reported to be ready to take action on the 36 referees and judges who were suspended from uh, Rio de Janeiro over concerns that bouts may have been fixed there. Uh, this is another one of the IOC's concerns. Is is IEBA ready to act on this? Uh, yes, they are. Uh, it's, it's a difficult challenge in that IEBA finds itself in somewhat of a catch-22, as we would say in the U.S., and that is that on one hand, the IOC president has openly stated that he was concerned about the referee and judges and was not satisfied with the special investigation that took place on the Rio Olympics. On the other hand, they are concerned about the actions that, the, uh, that were just recently taken by the executive committee to say we want to move forward and remove the 36 officials from further competition. And what we need is we need for the IOC to either one, support the conclusions of the Special Investigation Committee, or two, we need them to say that it is all right for us to move forward or do their own investigation. And we will fully support 100% the conclusions that the IOC comes with. And, and the IOC has 
limited contact with Aiba as a result of these controversies. This doesn't seem it would be very helpful to help have you try to resolve some of these issues. Is this having an effect on, on trying to sol- sort these issues out with the IOC? Well, at this moment, I am. they have allowed contact at the operational level, and I am in weekly contact with the IOC trying to work out a lot of these issues. The thing that concerns me about the lack of contact with the IOC at the uh, executive level is that you know, a lot of rumors get started and individuals run with these rumors without having the full uh, background information necessary in order to be able to make an informed decision. I personally believe that the more communication that we have at all levels with the IOC, the more trust that we're going to be able to develop with the IOC, and the better it's going to be for all sport. And I'm hoping that the IOC will see it this way also. Will it make a difference when you relocate to Lausanne and you're on the scene in the uh, headquarters office close to the IOC? I certainly hope so, and it is my intention to do everything in my power to gain their trust and confidence so that we will be able to have more open communication going forward. Yeah, another concern of the IOC has been the anti-doping program. Uh, The IOC thinks not enough has been done by the Federation. Uh, What kind of changes, what's ahead for anti-doping and the Boxing Federation? Well, we're going to do two things. One, we we admit it was sloppy. The operations of uh, and execution of our anti-doping program were not given the appropriate attention that was necessary of an of of an organization belonging to WADA. We fell short of meeting a number of standards, mostly the standard of outside testing. Uh, We're doing two things. One, I can guarantee you that as the individual in charge of of operations, we will never miss a deadline. We will be 100% in compliance with the WADA code. And we're going to be a part of of one of the many federations that are going to contract externally uh, a group to to do our testing for us. Do you believe the IOC is serious about the threat to remove boxing from the games? It's been a part of the Olympics, modern Olympics, since uh, since really the start, and are linked to the ancient games as well. You know, Ed, I would certainly hope that they wouldn't. But you know, not knowing the mindset of the delegates. We are in boxing, and we love boxing, and we can't envision an Olympics without the sport of boxing. But there are others who could, and I just don't know how many of those individuals are part of the uh, IOC voting delegates. So I will just say to you that we are taking the threat very seriously, and we're going to 
meet all of our obligations, and hopefully they will recognize IBA's commitment to being a good national governing body in good standing with the IOC. And you've kind of answered this question, but I'll ask it this way directly. Why is it important for boxing to be in the Olympic Games? I think, for one, history. I mean, what other sport can point to so many world-renowned individuals, world-recognized faces, as having been participants or champions in in the Olympics. I mean, the most recognized individual in the world, Muhammad Ali, was an Olympic gold medalist. When you look back on just, you know, the the attraction of the sport, the, you know, look at countries like, like Cuba. What is Cuba if in the world of sport, if not boxing? And yet, what other country the size of Cuba could ever be the world leader and keep it for 20 years in any other sport than boxing. Yeah, we have problems in boxing. We have, we have not behaved appropriately for a period of time. But, you know, there's still a very, very valuable product there. And we have a group of individuals who are committed to making that product a, a model for the IOC. We need, a, we need the opportunity to do so, but I can't see why anyone would want to get rid of such an op, a, a, a sport that meets so many of the ideals of the Olympic uh, movement. One of the improvements you're trying to bring for the uh, Federation is a program called Diversity in Boxing that's supposed to provide funding for a range of activities for the National Federations of Boxing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you could. We've promoted a number of activities over the past 20 years that dealt with giving gloves to a club. Uh, we had most recently this year of Africa where we went from country to country. We got groups that were already in place took a lot of photo opportunities, talked about building the program, and it was a one and done. There was no real commitment on the part of the National Federation to have to meet some standards, and there was no continued support over time. What our president has developed here in the diversity program is a program that is going to sustain time. It's going to be one that takes programs that show a commitment to having true programs and true development, and it's going to develop boxes and develop coaches, develop officials, uh, provide support in terms of equipment and supplies, but it's going to be something that is is based on achieving goals and achieving metrics along the way. It's not a handout. It's not a welfare program. It's a program of partnership for developing the sport of boxing throughout the world. You've had a long career in sport, in boxing, a trainer for some, some f- fine fighters. Why did you take this job at IEBA as you retire 
at the Naval Academy? <laughs> you know, I, I've got 58 years in boxing. I faced very similar problems when the USOC was kicking, you know, USA Boxing out of its program and putting them on probation year in and year out. And basically, it required a governance change. It required a organizational structural change. It required a business plan going forward. I like the opportunity to compete and to take something that is broken and fix it. And uh, this gives me a great opportunity to do that. And I think that, you know, I'm fortunate to have some skill sets that I've developed over the years that lend itself to this type of program improvement. And when do you plan to be on site in, in Lausanne? Uh, I retire on the 31st. I'm leaving that afternoon and plan to be in Lausanne on the 1st of uh, April. Well, good luck to you, Tom Virgitz. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ed. Take care. I'm Ed Hula. It's a pleasure to have you listening around the world, if you will, to ATR Radio. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.